You're listening to Unscripted, the podcast by Scripted.com. Welcome back to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Ryan Buckley. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Scripted.com. And I'm joined today by Liz Murphy, the content manager at Quintain Marketing, uh, an agency based in Washington, D.C. Is that right? Actually, close. Uh, we're in Annapolis. You're in Annapolis. Uh, so, capital of land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, how far is that from Washington, D.C., by the way? Mm, um, well, Google Maps will probably tell you around 35 minutes, but I have a lead foot, so somewhere more in the 30 range. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> far enough away to avoid all the backups from the presidential motorcade. Yeah, we we we're comfortably situated outside of the Beltway. Got it. Okay, I really don't know my geography that well um, out there. So um, okay, <laughs> thank you for clarifying <laughs> that, though. The uh, so tell us about yourself first of all, and then um, for full disclosure, we've been working together for a while on on uh, content with uh, yeah. with, with with your agency, and it's been a lot of fun. Our writers love working for you guys. And we hear only great things in the broader community about Quintain, and you have such a terrific content marketing and social media presence yourselves. Um, so definitely encourage people listening, check out Quintain online. But Liz, um, specifically, tell us how you got here. Like, how did you get started in this business? Well, a long time ago, in California, in 1982, I was born. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Same year as me, um, by the way. What been... month? Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> October 26th. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're both turning 35 this year. Jeez. No, God, <laughs> don't, let's not. Oh, God. Oh, you st- you, we started off on such a great note, Ryan. You had to go down this path. Um, so I actually started at Quintain a few years ago, but not as a content manager. Um, I was actually brought... Um, as an as a marketing manager, which is kind of like a junior level account manager uh-huh. uh, at Quintain, and essentially what that means, who was working with our clients, um, we primarily work with B two B businesses, small, mid size. Um, a lot, a lot of them are technology based, and so I would help them, you know, develop and execute inbound marketing strategies. Um, and then about a year and a half after that, um, I actually come from both a marketing and an editorial background. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time, I used to think of myself as a, as a marketer who also had some writing chops. And then it just kind of came to pass that really I was a writer who had market. <laughs> um, and so Kathleen and John Booth, who own see that I I work at who own Quintain. Um, they had been toying with the idea for some time of having somebody who was just dedicated to content creation within the four walls of our agency, as opposed to it being more siloed and under the complete um, oversight of the account managers. Uh-huh. Um, that way, we'd have a little humidity to create really cohesive processes and and quite frankly somebody who is actually just their sole focus is to give a damn about content (laughs) 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 and that didn't really exist prior to that so i moved into this role i've been in this role now for i guess over a year 
point. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I, I get to spend my days um, overseeing our content production, working with writers, um, interviewing subject matter experts, helping um, our clients develop and, and create um, really comprehensive style guides to oversee their voice and their tone and then the boring stuff like where the commas go. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that's what I do. And otherwise, I prefer cold weather to warm. Yeah. And yeah. I like beer. So that's that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Um, <laughs> favorite Belgian ale? Mm, Belgian ale. I love a good quad. Hmm. Where? I love a good quad. I actually went to Belgium last year with my um, with my husband and two friends. Uh, we spent four days in Paris and three days in Belgium. Wow! And I drank a lot of beer. And it was fantastic. <laughs> no, that's 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 really cool. Uh, yeah, there are a few Belgian mm-hmm. Bel- Belgian beer spots in San Francisco that we would uh, would frequent a lot in the early days of scripted. Um, mm-hmm. So awesome. Um, can you give us a sense of how many posts per month are you responsible for? Oh my God. Uh, let me count. I actually have never calculated that before. Uh, let's see. So there's, I'm responsible for Quintains. Mm-hmm. So that's about 16. I would say probably in the neighborhood of around 60 to 75. And well, that's just blogs. Yeah. Uh, that's, that that's means just yeah, that's an everyday that's an everyday activity for sure. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. You know, you can't you can't have content be this thing that you know you create. You did a really great job writing that post that one time. You mm-hmm. know, it's a cumulative effect. You have to keep doing it. It's like exercising. You can't do like that one push up in July and then wonder. Wait, you have to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. How many posts um, does a typical customer of yours do each month? Um, a typical customer, actually, there really isn't a standard. Some do one, some two, some do three. Three mm-hmm. is the ceiling we have at this point, but we've had some clients where we'll do brief sprints where we're doing one every single day, Monday through Friday, wow. um, which is intense, but you can really see it, it, it delivers that bump in traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, so what... What what would you say makes a good client um, a good client? Like, what are they doing that allows you to do your job especially well and get the results that they're looking for? I think honestly, the the, the first thing you need to do if if we're talking about that ideal in my head, headed from the start. I mean, there are a lot of you know little good habits and best practices that you can throw out there, but Ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to come in with a mindset of being committed to creating content and mm-hmm. not just once, like I said, with regularity, um, where I've seen things start to break down where people either, they either just kind of expected us to take care of it and create content without their input that would just absolutely resonate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really have to be a partner with the agency that you work with. It doesn't, you can't just be a wizard that can read your mind and be able to take care of it for you. Um, but it also is really rewarding. You know, we do ask a lot in terms of work, but we're also working, working equally, if not more so uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> in terms of creating the content. 
but it's really rewarding when you get to the end and you create these really magnificent pieces of content that deliver results. Yeah. But it all starts, you know, the ideal client comes in with the mindset of con- great and doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. it's I, I love that, that piece there where you really got to the heart of that with the, that one piece that you wrote. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I rant a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a totally I fair mean, point. Looks- we struggle with it too, with our customers. Struggles. I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wanted, I also wanted to touch on outsourcing. Um, you, you work with a lot of writers, um, even when you're, so when, when, uh, someone, uh, a Quintain client comes to you to request to, to, to get writing, you may do some of it internally. You also may outsource some of it. Ultimately, it's still you coming up with, uh, with the ideas, doing the final polish, um, et cetera. Um, that's, that's something that I think a lot of our customers still kind of grapple with is, is, um, how, like, how can outsourced content still be authentic? And our response is that while it still comes from you, um, it's, it's still going to pass through you before it gets Mm -hmm. published. Um, how do you think about that question and, and, and how do you use outsourced writers to still make sure that it's of the utmost quality? Well, I think there are a couple of issues that you bring up with that because it seems like a fairly simple question on the surface, but really it's kind of addressing two challenges in one. And and I'll try to address both. The first one being is that I think people naturally have an aversion to the idea of outsourcing anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure why. Um, because essentially it's the equivalent of me going out and engaging with freelance writers or bringing writers in house. They're still the same people. They have the same skill sets and the relationship is exactly the same. Um, so I think that's a notion everybody just needs to dispel, but I think can go wrong. And it's one of the reasons why we've seen success with putting someone like me in this dedicated role is I essentially act like a kind of an editor, editor in chief that really drives what is the messaging behind this is exactly what I'm looking to get out of it. I'm giving assignments to writers. I'm not saying this is a title, best of luck to you and, you know, uh-huh. good night and good luck. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I think in terms of the second piece of that question, once you've dispelled the notion that, you know, outsourcing is kind of like automation, neither of them are dirty words, you just have to deploy them with the right strategy. Yep. Um, and they can be really beneficial, but at least in what works for us is this. Uh, when I say that I'm giving assignments to writers, what I mean is that I have done the legwork of finding, you know, our account managers do a ton of great work in terms of the keyword strategies. So from an SEO pers- perspective, what keywords or groups of keywords are we going after? From there, we figure out, okay, what questions are people asking? From there, we extrapolate, okay, these are the blog topics we want to be writing about. Okay, great. So if these topics we want to be writing about. Uh, let's go to the client. All right, who are the subject matter experts that we need to be talking to to get these answers? Then I get on the phone with them. And it t- typically takes me about 10 to 15 minutes per topic with a subject matter expert on the phone just to walk through the points. So by the time it actually gets in the writer's hands, mm-hmm. they have the whole story. Yep. And because I record everything and I don't just take notes, they can hear what it sounds like 
when the person who is going to ultimately have the byline is saying it. And, you know, depending on the style, I mean, obviously this will vary from client to client, but I do encourage writers to really try to embrace the voice of the person I'm speaking with. Yep. And that's really where you start getting into the control aspect of it. I mean, you can, I think no matter what tool you use, whether it's scripted or otherwise, you could end up, you know, putting, giving him a topic and not giving him much direction and you're going to get crap in return. You're going to get to it. It's that simple. So uh-huh. the more legwork you do up front, you know, it, the more strategy you put into it, the more thought you put it into it, you're going to get it ultimately. And then it's like you comes back to me. I'm the one who, before it even goes to a client, decides whether or not this met my expectations, was in line with the creative brief I provided, um, met all the expectations that came out of the recording, uh, and then it goes to the client. So it's something they can be proud of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing we we find here that the customers who have the most detailed guidelines ultimately are the happiest mm-hmm. and the writers enjoy it the most and, and they can get like a, a, a long-term uh, partner with, uh, with the scripted writer. So um, totally agree. When, when clients ask you what is going to be my return on investment in content marketing, how do you answer that? Oh God. It's a Jeez, tough one, that was right? a short answer. I think you know. <laughs> I think it's something a lot of marketers struggle with because, in some ways, it can feel like such an intangible. You know, you you put in a lot of work. You know, people yep. have regular spots on my calendar to have interviews with me, and it it's 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 a marathon that you never actually quite stop running, mm-hmm. um, which can feel somewhat exhausting. I think the return on investment is when you sign a contract. Um, you know, balance your, you know, your cost of acquisition versus the lifetime value of that customer. And is it going to exceed the amount that you're spending? And that right. will include your content. Right. And th- yep. there's your ROI. Yeah. Right there. I mean, it, it, you'd be amazed how much of that pain goes away once that first deal get, gets closed. Yeah. Yeah. And just and I, a, on, on average, how long do you think it, it's taking most clients from, from start to being actually able to attribute a close of a deal to some new content marketing activity? Really, that question is, it depends on the sales cycle. I mean, especially if you're talking about like the B2B space, which is what I operate in, you know, sometimes they have a sales cycle of six weeks, sometimes it's eight months. Um, So that really is just completely dependent on how they're managing that. I will say that that is one challenge we're seeing more and more is that marketing, content marketing, inbound marketing, or otherwise can sometimes deliver the right lead. But if you don't have a strong sales structure in place, the deals won't close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's a yeah. larger conversation. A lot of people like need to have kind of a come to Jesus moment. You know, how well aligned are your marketing and sales teams? Yeah, yeah. That and that's a, very good a whole podcast today. But in terms <laughs> of actually... In, in terms of actually defining the ROI, an easier way to put it is, okay, well, if you don't want to create content, well, your competitors are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're, you can define your ROI in lost business yep. because you are, you are now abstaining from even trying to get competitive. It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a really good point. Kind of the, uh, the opportunity cost of, of, not, um, of not publishing mm-hmm. and not being out there. Um, that's a good one. I'm actually getting, I'm going to use that. 
<laughs> so now that writing is is I mean essentially it, you're a professional writer do you still enjoy mm -hmm. it and do you still write outside of Quintain <gasps> yeah um so I actually I, I am a freelance writer myself outside oh. of the Quintain I have a actually in Annapolis mm. um but I will say one of the things is that um I call it it took me a while to come up with a term for it but I call it word drunk there is a point where you are just you know you're constantly looking at content you know yeah. day in and day out I just want to go home and just not look at anything like if I could become functionally illiterate after five o'clock some days I think I would make that choice to absolutely <laughs> do so because yeah. you get really tired um I did find for a while, because I was spending so much time learning how to effectively write for other people, um, that it did diminish my ability to say, okay, wait, does what does Liz sound like? Mm -hmm. And so I went through this thing for a little while where I actually really struggled to write for myself. Um, and then I got over it because it's pretty, pretty much the most first world problem ever to have existed. <laughs> uh, and just realized sometimes you just need to sit down and write and stop overthinking it. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that's the, that's the, the biggest challenge is that when you spend so much time in a position like mine, where you're constantly doing things in a process, in a regimen, and you have this, this, this internal checklist that you're always subconsciously running through, it makes it really hard to turn that off and write more organically the way I would off the clock. Hmm. Yeah, I read a profile on a couple of Obama speechwriters who have since left the White House, and they are struggling with that exact thing where where their own internal monologue mm -hmm. now like continues to be in president obama's voice um just can't which is great because it's a very soothing but it's not theirs <laughs> <laughs> exactly um what about reading uh i i imagine you're, you're also equally inundated with um the rest of the content marketing blogosphere but do you do you have some go-to places that um do you, you just kind of first thing in the morning, like check or Twitter feeds on, on content marketing that you follow? Well, I mean, I, I know, I know this is not the popular thing to say because it's actually kind of fun. Um, Shelby, my co-host and I um, recently had an in-depth conversation about, you know, how to stay motivated when quite frankly, you don't want to do anything. Uh -huh. And one of the biggest challenges I find is that you read all of these, these blogs about writing Um where it says, you know, the best thing you can, you know, the best way you can continue to stay inspired and hone your craft is to read. And it's like, that's the last thing I want to do. Like, like I said, you know, in an environment, I'm reading all the time. So the, from an industry perspective, I really, I like your blog. Um, and I like what gather content does. Hmm. Um, they are based out of the UK. And they are a, a content collaboration platform. And I, I just really love their content. I know it's always going to be. But to be quite honest, other than that, um, aside from like Content Marketing Institute and, and HubSpot and some of the basics, yep. what I actually find really exercises my mind is to just read something completely different. Yep. Um, like I love the satire section from The New Yorker. Mm. I think humor is a, is a very difficult it looks so effortless to be funny in print, but there is so like much like com comedic actors. There's so much about it in timing yep. that it really gets me thinking about different methodologies around storytelling and how you frame a narrative. 
Yeah, uh, that's that's a really good point. And so I find that inspiring. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, other than that, usual suspects, you know, HubSpot, Content Marketing Institute, you know, I think what's actually really funny to me right now is I've actually struggled to find really good resources about the the bill becoming a law aspect of content. Hmm. I think a lot of people do a great job talking of creating the right topics and then what you do once you actually have the content created. But that little kind of the in-between, <laughs> there's not a lot floating around out there. Hmm. People don't talk about it. They they are trying in every way, shape, or possible to avoid creating it themselves. Mm-hmm. They want someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had that conversation this morning with somebody um, who, yeah, like wanted all of the all, all of the bells and whistles around figuring out what to write, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that that's that's true. I mean, let's let's be realistic here. HubSpot, which is all about content, only just put out certification near the end of last year and they've been around for how many years <laughs> they've had how many certifications up until now and they're they're just doing that now mm-hmm. and i think that says something i think for a while there it was just enough to have content it didn't matter what it looked like yep and now it's a really crowded space quality matters yep a lot yeah. but yeah. nobody knows how to do it yeah yeah um right, good good points um so a couple questions about you and uh, like your your day to day, how you operate. I ask all the uh, entrepreneurs and content marketers these these last couple questions. Mm-hmm. How do you prioritize and say no to things? Oh gosh. Um, well, the first thing I do is I, I go to our project management software and, and see what's actually due. Which one do you use? Um, today. Uh, we use Teamwork. Um, we used Basecamp for a really long time and then we graduated yeah. to Teamwork because it's just, it has more robust um, task assignments and a lot of great stuff that you can do with Ant Charts and workflow planning oh, cool. and workload planning, which is really important. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but that's kind of the first place I go because that's, those are the deadlines I've agreed to. Uh-huh. Um, so that's the first stuff that happens. Um, in terms, in terms of saying no, I don't really feel like I work in an environment where I'm being asked to do things that are really just kind of off the wall. Uh-huh. A lot of it I gated quite frankly, by having really good processes in place where you set standards in advance, mm. where somebody isn't coming to you and saying, hey, can I have this blog post back tomorrow? <laughs> no, we already have a process in place that says it's going to take a week. Yep. So you, you, you automatically negate the, the need for having those conversations by putting those processes in place. So I always tell people the best way to avoid awkward conversations is if you're the per- person who's in of content, make the process before somebody does it for you. Yeah, that's a really good, really good And that's advice. how you mitigate that conversation. Yeah. Uh, it goes- I like that. I think it's, it's very similar to um, maybe the, the relationship between like product and engineering like hey can you get that one feature out tomorrow like well no there's a whole process of of roadmap planning etc to to do and and content should be thought of the same way um at least at a at a mature organization like yours i like that um what about any morning or evening routines you, you you do to maximize your productivity um, 
I don't always follow this rule. Um, but at some point I just, I, I turn off notifications on my work email because I ah, noticed my productivity is the more I, I boundaries for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning you have a defined off time. Uh, um, and I think that's really important to productivity in terms of, in terms of productivity, more like generic tips. Um, I have a weekly call with our lead strategist where she and I literally just go down client by client. And it, sometimes it's as boring as everything got published, things going to get published next week or down the line. And then I send her a detailed recap of everything that we discussed. And then on, come Monday morning when I walk in, I print it out and I cross things off one by one. Hmm. Just kind of always being kind of checked in and, and constantly communicating, I think, is really key. And yeah. I will say that as someone who has learned from the opposite, um, <sighs> one of the reasons why we, we communicate so well now is because we've learned from experience that internal communication is, is the recipe for client success, but it can also undermine it just as easily. Um, Other than that, you know, just make your to-do list, stick to it, um, take breaks, and vary what you do. Um, I have a very hard time editing a lot of, since we deal in such volume with a lot of our clients, um, I'll find that I'll actually, you know, instead of sitting down for three hours and editing the same type of content for three hours, I'll break it up. Uh Uh-huh. And I will have diminished capacity. It'll all start looking the same. I'm trying to get to the end of it. So definitely just breaking it up. Hmm. Um, and I, I read that you do a lot of yoga. Does that fit into your daily routine as well? I would love for it to be daily, but right now. <laughs> so, so I do I, I do that usually on Sundays. Hmm. There is a, a place near me that does a, a restorative yoga. I just go and dark and it's quiet and I reset for the week which is nice yeah um yeah I mean a lot of it is just coming it comes down to I think in an agency environment it's really easy to create work for yourself or kill yourself in 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 the goal of getting everything done but the reality is is always work to be done and as one of our bosses likes to say you know hey when you get too too stressed out remember you're not curing cancer (laughs) just taking that time to step away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no that's um that is that's that's certainly good advice and uh take take time out to have a good belgian beer every once in a while too Mm -hmm. cool so we're actually at time now um liz Thank you so much for coming on and uh, and giving us kind of an, an inside view into what happens at one of the top content marketing agencies out there, um, Quintain Marketing. That That is quintainmarketing.com, right? That is correct. Cool. Yeah, so for everyone listening, uh, certainly uh, an agency that we recommend have been working with for a long time and uh, and you can you can hear it these guys are on top of their game so thank you so much Liz thanks for coming on oh thank you so much Ryan I really appreciate you having me today <laughs> <laughs>